Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casino. Nothing else comes close. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Sabres Live here on WGR 550 Radio Only today, not on MSG. And uh, again, it's going to be me, myself, and my friends today as uh, Brian Duff is uh, under the weather. And uh, Duffer, we hope you feel better. Uh, we miss you yesterday. We miss you last night. want to say thank you to Howard Simon who filled in and did a great job. Uh, remind me of uh, you know the early days of fan TV and everything, which uh, was a lot of fun with Howard. Um, we even did Howard picks the Sabres instead of Howard picks the Bills. And I made a fantastic prediction early in the game. Well, in the pregame, I said Peyton Krebs was going to get his first goal of the season, which he did. I wish I would have predicted that the Sabres were going to win uh, because that may have come through. It did not happen. So um, yeah, this is a uh, rainy morning here in Western New York. And uh, the rain is stretching as far from Chicago to New York City and almost as far down south as Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is where the Sabres are right now getting ready for their game tomorrow against the Carolina Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, our first friend today uh, is uh, Jordan LaBarber from Sabres.com. And he is in Raleigh, North Carolina right now. The team flew from St. Louis to, uh, you know, to Raleigh. They got in a little late, but he uh, he's up and uh, ready to go and talk about last night's game. So, uh, Jordan, thanks again. You did a fantastic job yesterday. So we decided to give you another shot at it today and hope you're about as good as you were yesterday. But uh, what did you think of the game last night? A 6-4 loss to the St. Louis Blues that did not feel like a 6-4 loss. Like it felt like a lot closer and that the Sabres deserved better. So uh, your general sense of the way the game went yesterday. It's it's a hard one to dissect, isn't it? Because you look at a season-high 46 shots and only 20 against, and you think, man, they're going to win that one more often than not. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we know we know what the expectations are internally as much as externally. So you go in the locker room after, and nobody's, nobody's happy that they got 46 shots. You know, it was definitely a disappointing, a disappointed room. Um, but however, you saw some of the the hallmarks of the identity they're trying to get to yes. the identity they had last year. And I think you heard that a little bit too. Uh, I think Casey Middlestat said even some of the chances against came at the end of launch shifts in the offensive zone where you just, you're not able to bury 
and then they're able to find because you're being aggressive they're able to come back the other way and get a chance um but within that you're you know all year you heard kyle pozo said it many times you know we've kind of forgotten we're a good team at times we're the team set the tone we're the team that can, can dictate the pace of play um and i think you saw that pretty consistently throughout the game last night so uh in that sense it's a good thing you even saw it early in the game. It was 3-0 St. Louis. It did not feel like a 3-0 game, right? Wow. Um, I mean, Sabres fall to 10-11 and 2 now. One game under 500 in a very jam-packed Eastern Conference race to the wild card. Uh, there was plenty of action in the NHL last night. 14 games and a lot of teams that the Sabres are fighting against. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, the Washington Capitals uh, were winners. Uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning lost, but... Uh, obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs won in a shootout. So we'll talk about that later in the show. Shana Goldman is going to join us at 1225 today. And uh, we'll do a little bit of Sabres talk with her and around the league talks with Shana. She's always good on all topics. Uh, but you talk about, you know, the Sabres finding their identity. Rasmus Dahlin said something after the game where he said, well, he said, personally, maybe for me, I hung in the offensive zone a little too long. I took chances in the offensive zone a little too much. I think it's because it was 3 nothing at one point, and then they started playing that way. Um, the Sabres had some good chances, but three of the force, I think it was five shots, went into the net because there were glorious, glorious chances given by the Sabres to the St. Louis Blues. Um, how did you see this game turn and when when it became 3-3 in the second period did you think oh they've got this in the bag like they are rolling and they'll be able to put that game away and that's the feeling we had in studio when we were watching it yeah I honestly did I, I thought they were positioned even before it was 3-3 it just kind of seemed like and you know I, I was on yesterday and I talked about how the Blues hadn't lost all year when they scored first and yeah but it just seemed like it was going to be one of those nights. I mean, you had even when beyond the three goals they had at that point, they had so many chances. Zach Benson, I think his his goal came on his fourth shot, but he had a few chances right in front. Alex Tuck worked his way to the slot for for a good chance, which he's he's buried the last you know few games prior. Um, so there have been so many chances that it seemed to be going that way. But when you end up with a few chances against, that's that's kind of the you know, the ongoing process here, uh, even coming out of last year when you were one of the highest scoring teams in the league and you're trying to find that equilibrium between the aggression and the defensive responsibility. And, you know, sometimes it's gone in the other direction this year where you're more sound defensively, but at the expense of some of the offense. And then yesterday, maybe it went a little bit back to towards last year. So that's kind of the ongoing process, I think. I think you're right on that one. I felt like this was watching last year's team. And we were so excited about the way this team performed last year, the offense that it provided. And let's remember, they still don't have H. Thompson. There's no Jack Quinn right now. Um, so the offense has got to come up from, from other players. You talk about Zach Benson. I thought he was fantastic. Had some really, really good looks. One pass from J.J. Paterka after Dylan Cousins was able to get a turnover in the offensive zone. It went bang, bang right to the front of the net. Jordan Bington made a nice save on that play. Uh, Cousins himself had a wide open net after a Paterka partial breakaway at 3-3. Like this could have made the, the game 4-3. Casey Millstad had a wide open net after Nick Letty just slowed down the puck 
just enough for Middlestat to heal it instead of getting right on the blade and put it into an empty net. So it did feel more like last year's identity, but you just gave up too many goals again. And we saw that last year as well. Um, unfortunately, Lukanen is the one that is going to feel it the most. Six goals on 20 shots. The numbers are going to take a dive when it comes to goals against average and save percentage, goals save above expectations. All of that uh, that is going to reflect badly on Lukanen. But how did you see Ukopeka Lukanen's game in, in the overall of his performance, despite the fact that the numbers don't reflect uh, you know, a good outing? Well, it's interesting because a few a few of those shots, I think Don Grano said, you know, maybe not the first one back, but um, there was definitely some backdoor plays, which, you know, that's yeah. tough for a goaltender to make. And even the ones off the faceoff, those are kind of unique, the quick shots, and maybe there were some bodies in front. So I think the way he, with the way he's been playing, it, it's it's interesting or exciting to see the the, the the bigger picture and to see how he responds, you know, and, and hopefully keeps the cons- – consistency going as he gets into a rhythm so at the end of the day the uh great a scoring chances in the game were seven to six for the sabers sabers scored on two of their grade a chances there was the krebs goal and there was the paterka goal when they pulled the goalie at six three uh at the end of the game to make it six four um the st louis blues had six grade a chances they scored on four of them. And really, when you look at it, it's really five grade A chance because the Jake Neighbors goal that made it, um, I believe that made it three nothing. He gets a deflection and his own rebound. Those were two grade A chances. Well, let's combine it into one because it resulted in a goal. St. Louis scored on four of five grade A chance in the game when Buffalo scored on two and seven. Is that just the way the game went like those numbers accurately portrayed the way the game was is St. Louis got a few great a chances they got wide open looks and the Sabres weren't able to convert on theirs yeah I think it's a, that's it I mean they're opportunistic and yes. you can kind of look back at the New York game which you know the result becomes the narrative like the, the Sabres played a great game in New York but there were a few chances that the Rangers weren't opportunistic on Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Uko Pekalukan makes the paddle save in that game. And it, it, it's, I, guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of simple to say, but that's hockey, right? <laughs> yeah. Or there's a goal that gets waved off on a hand pass that we didn't think it was a hand exactly. pass, but really like that's a bounce the Sabres got against the Rangers. Yep. He didn't really get those against the St. Louis Blues. Um, You and I were talking about Rasmus Dahlin before coming on the air. Uh, there was a scary incident where Tori Krug took Dallin into the corner on the power play when Dallin was trying to rush the puck off the ice. I thought it was a penalty and interference call. Like he held on to him and then dumped him in the corner. It was very scary because Dallin stayed down. And the way that his right foot went into the boards could have gone a really, really bad way. If his ankle turns right, um, it's probably a bad Bad look for Rasmus Dallin for his ankle, for his leg. Luckily, it stayed. And Dallin had a monster of a game. Like you're talking about his stat line was intriguing, but uh, you maybe bring up the numbers and, and what you saw in location on Dallin. Oh, yeah. North of 28 minutes. Uh, obviously, had the goal and the assist, but six shots, 10 shot attempts. And it just is one, another one of those games where you look at it and he's one of those defensemen who can kind of dictate 
the play, dictate the pace. He's especially as they were pushing to come back, and he was a little hard on himself after the game, saying, "You know, maybe I don't have to try to force things every, you know, create a play every shift." But um, they were trying to come back, and you know, he's he's a driver in that way. And yeah, thank thank goodness that that, that wasn't an injury because he's obviously a vital vital piece. <laughs> Yeah, he's a huge piece, and and when you see him going the way that he was going in in the game, uh, you know, I, I yeah, we talked all about a lot about Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes and Adam Fox, and rightfully so, those are fantastic defensemen. But but Dallin deserves to be talked about in the same respect as those three, four, five top end defensemen in the NHL because he can change a game, he can make things happen. The one timer from the blue line, it's three nothing. Sabres are playing decent, but they're still down three nothing. He takes a one timer, finds the back of the net, and that changed the the view of the game. You're like, okay, you're only down two now. You got to win the second period and maybe win the third and you can get yourself a point, maybe get an extra point in overtime. Um, that was, again, um, you know, a, a huge performance from Darlene. Now we did see the Sabres go back to 12 forwards and six defensemen. In New York, they had played with 11 and seven. Uh, where do you think they go in Carolina tomorrow night as they uh, are going to play against the Carolina Hurricanes on the road in Raleigh? It is at 7 p.m., 6.30 pregame on MSG. But where do you think they go with their group? Is it 12 forwards, six defense again? Are you bringing in Connor Clifton? Are you bringing in Brendan Byro? I'm, pr they practice later today, so maybe we'll get a better sense. But where do you think they go here for the weekend? Well, I think uh, Don Grotto was asked the other day, you know, whether with the amount of forwards you have now, um, after Devin Levi was sent out, you've got a, a larger stable of forwards, whether it's safe to say they go back to 12 and 6 on a more regular basis. And he, he kind of smirked and said, probably. So, I think that suggests, especially having gone to that yesterday, that that might be um, yes. what what happens going forward. And and then it becomes um, because they do, you know, the team feels strongly about it's, it's, you know, the defensemen who have been playing. And it becomes a matter of whether you continue a rotation, um, who's a part of that rotation. You know, Henry Yokoharyu has has sat a game and now Connor Clifton and um, – I, I I would expect that that to be the case. Maybe they just rotate in and out until the roster deems it otherwise. So Duffer had a great stat the other day where Ryan Johnson had not been on the ice for any five-on-five -five goals against so far this season. In all the minutes he had played, not one five-on-five -five goals against. Unfortunately, that uh, that streak ended yesterday. It's not all on Ryan Johnson, um, but you know that. That third pairing of Johnson and Johnson uh, was on the ice for a few goals against, and and maybe there's a change there. I think Ryan Johnson's going to have a, a a great future with the Buffalo Sabers. I think he's going to be even a top four defenseman regularly um, as soon as you know the opportunity presents itself. But you're also going to have some days where it's not going to go well. Uh, going into this back to back now, you know there's the forward group. You can make some changes. There's the D group. You can make some changes. There's also the goalies that you can make some changes. Granado talked about Comrie and UPL most likely splitting the weekend. I'm yeah. terrible at picking which goalie is going to go in, other than the fact that I was right on Lukanen yesterday, but I think the whole world was right on Lukanen yesterday after the performance in New York. 
where do they go this weekend? Who's playing tomorrow in Carolina? And like your guess, I know we'll find out probably later because we'll see how practice is, but your guess, you're around. I, uh-huh. I made a good prediction yesterday with Krebs. Sometimes you get lucky. Maybe you'll get lucky here. Who gets uh, the start tomorrow and who gets the start on Sunday? Man, it is a guess uh, because they're both <laughs> playing and it's 50-50. But I'll, I, I'll say Luke it in tomorrow, uh, okay. Sunday. Um, no other reason just than the fact that uh, it's it's he's had a couple games in a row and it's his first chance to get into into that little bit of a rhythm. Um, but it'd also be an opportunity to get Tommy of his first start in a bit. So, but either way, they're both playing on the weekend. It would take extreme circumstances for. It's got to be funny how that conversation goes because last night I thought, okay, give Lukanen a breather and play him at home uh, against Nashville on Sunday, right? Get Murray the game in Carolina, uh, and let's let's make it work that way. And now I'm thinking, well, you're right, Jordan. Uh, maybe giving Lukanen a third start in a row. Uh, getting them on a roll a little bit and letting them know that, hey, that wasn't on you last night. Like you gave up six, you only saw 20 shots, but that wasn't on you. You're going back against the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe that's the way to go. I think this is where this is so interesting sometimes when you don't have a defined number one goaltender, how you rotate them. I mean, if you had, you know, Vasilevsky and Jonas Johansson, you kind of can set the map and you know when the games are going to be played, but you don't have that here in Buffalo just yet. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, anything left on the, uh, on the cutting floor from last night that uh, um, you had in your notes, something. You know uh, there there no, was one moment I'm wondering if you noticed Zach Benson, it might've been the second period. He gets the puck behind the net. And I, I, I have no idea if this is what he was trying. But he's you just see the gears working a little bit. There's a but there's a defender on each post. He's holding hold. And I'm wondering, is he thinking Michigan. about the Michigan? Yes, you know I remember part? exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I noticed that I thought that was funny and it kind of shows where his head's at, just like a super, super confident kid. Yeah, no, I remember seeing the same thing and I'm thinking, could he have like corralled it? Because he almost looked like he wanted to put a stick over the puck and get the Michigan going to his right side and he didn't do it. Um, but he's an extremely like confident kid. You saw his first NHL goal. He puts it between his leg and he goes right over the top, right on, uh, on, on Darcy Kemper. And, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, what confidence to do it in that moment. I think we may see a Michigan from Zach Benson at some point, at least an attempt to a Michigan yeah. because he plays with that much confidence. And that night, that night, actually, he said, they asked, you know, asked about, do you, do you try the between the legs to go? He said, I'm working in practice every day, that and the Michigan and those kinds of things. So it's definitely in the back of his mind. Um, and to your point about the confidence, he's, he's going to the net as much as anybody, it seems like. He's, you're just seeing him there battling bigger guys, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, his goal was one of those uh, maybe crazy plays when you think about it. Like <laughs> he, he, Dylan Cousins wins a draw going the wrong direction. As a right-handed centerman, you think he's going to go draw it back to the right. No, he draws it back to the left between his leg. And Benson does the spinorama and kind of catches Justin Falk, the defenseman, and Jordan Bennington, the goalie by surprise. Uh, quick word on Bennington. We touched on him in the pregame yesterday. He's got zero penalty minutes yet this year. He had 29 last year, led the league when it comes to goaltenders, seems to be more focused on playing goal. Um, 
I thought he gave up some leaky one in the game. You know, Fievel, the Benson one, Paterka one at the end was a leaky one. Uh, Krebs was a leaky one. But he did make a few big saves, and especially when it was tight. Um, what did you think of, of his work, uh, Jordan Bennington, and, and how the St. Louis Blues were as a team? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, I can't remember who took it. He had a, a big blocker save that kind of came across his body early on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think there were chances, before, like I said, before it even became 3 nothing that that game could, it could have been tighter. And like you said, Bennington let in some that maybe he'd regret, but he stopped some that maybe the defense would regret. So it's, it's kind of one of, the, one of those games. Yeah, it, it definitely was one of those games. And unfortunately, the Sabres now are down one game below 500 at 10, 11, and 2. They do have a huge weekend, a couple of wins. You're back on the plus side. You go 500 over the weekend. You're still middling at 500. You definitely don't want to go back-to-back losses. So tomorrow's night's game against the Carolina Hurricane is going to be huge. A place in Carolina where Sabres haven't had a lot of success. And Carolina seems to be rolling now as a team. Uh, and uh, it is going to be a challenge. Jordan, enjoy your uh, your day in Raleigh. I hope it's not as rainy and wet as it is here in Western New York, so you can maybe walk around down in North Carolina, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you at some point in the next uh, few days, and next week maybe we'll have you again on the show. Um, we appreciate taking the time yesterday and today, and uh, enjoy your time down there. All right, no rain here yet, Marty. Thank you. Okay, that's Jordan LaBarber from Sabres.com. You can read his work. Uh, he writes stories for Sabres.com. That is his Twitter bio. Um, and he, uh, you know, dresses well. So sometimes you see all the scrums, you know, the media scrums, and Jordan stands to the side. Um, he's uh, been known to sport the turtleneck, the, the velour jacket, um, you know, so you'll know exactly which one he is. Uh, we are going to take an early break today because Shana Goldman will join us here when we come back. But before we do, I want to remember everybody, uh, remind everybody to join us on December 5th for Native American Heritage Night when we take on the Detroit Red Wings. There will be fun ways to honor and celebrate Indigenous culture and history throughout the game. So get your tickets at sabers.com slash tickets. Not only will it be a, a great night to honor uh, Native American Heritage Night, but it could be the first game back from Pat, for Patrick Kane, who signed with the Detroit Red Wings. He's not going to play this weekend, apparently, and may make his, his season debut Tuesday night here when the Detroit Red Wings are visiting the Sabres in Buffalo. So um, could be an exciting night for all to uh, to see Patrick Kane in the Red Wings uniform, but hopefully to see the Sabres come out victorious, but they do have a couple of games before that and they need to string some wins together. Uh, when we come back, Shayna Goldman from The Athletic is going to come in. We'll do a uh, kind of a tour from around the NHL. We saw a goalie goal last year, uh, last night. We saw a lot of other things that uh, 14 games, there was a lot of hockey. So we will take a short break here on Sabres Live. We'll be right back with Shayna Goldman on WGR 550 radio only today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back to Sabres Live here on WGR 550 Radio Only. Today, thank you to Jordan LaBarber, Sabres.com, for uh, joining along yesterday and today. Uh, And uh, Darren Drager had some good stuff yesterday, as he always does on Thursday. But as we always do on Friday, we have Shayna Goldman from The Athletic joining us here. Shayna. Are you exhausted from all the <laughs> hockey that was going on last night? I'm fired up from it. I think You're- some nights it feels like the NHL is just throwing up games at us. But last night, I don't know. It, it kind of all clicked for me. Okay. Well, before we get to what happened last night, a couple of big uh, off-the-ice signings and trades happened. So Samuel Montembeau, the Montreal Canadiens, was announced this morning. He signs a three-year extension at $3.15 million a year. Um, when you first saw that, what was your initial reaction to the contract? Does it have trade protection? Because I'm kind of curious what they do with their three goalie situation. If I'm Montreal, I see the value of trading Jake Allen. I see the value of keeping Sam Montembeau and Caden Primo and rolling with that tandem. I like how Montembeau handles the chaos in front of him that the Canadians provide. But he's the one that gets you more in trade value, in my opinion. So I would be looking to move him if you think Primo is the goal of your future and Allen can be your backup. But, I mean, this contract is movable if they want it to be, but I think it's a really savvy deal for them if they keep him around. I thought it was a bargain for the Montreal Canadiens. I actually heard that Montembeau was seeking somewhere in the four and a half to $5 million. And that's probably why they were keeping three goalies for the longest time. And they still have three goalies is that they didn't know if they were able going to be able to sign them. Now they do at 3.15. I think it's a bargain. I really like Samuel Montembeau, but I like what you're thinking. Who gets moved now in Montreal? I've been saying Jake Allen needs to go because teams are going to want his experience. And maybe it's Edmonton, maybe it's New Jersey. But now you're thinking Kenzie Blackwood could get into the conversation and a trade. Peter Mrazek could as well. Um, But there was also a trade. The Calgary Flames traded Nikita Zadorov to the Canucks for a third and a fifth rounder. What are the Canucks getting in Zadorov? And was that a fair trade? Like if you were the commissioner, would you have nixed the (laughs) trade because it's just a third and a fifth round pick? No, I let the trade happen because I look at that and I think I used, in my mind, Luke Shen as like the gauge for what this should cost. And a third round pick, I feel like is fair. And if you were asking for a team to retain salary, 
then it's like a different conversation, right? Then you have to juice them for everything that you can. But if I'm Vancouver, I'm excited that you're getting this high event defenseman. Like he's a, he's a shutdown defenseman. He has an old school vibe. He's super physical. The one drawback is that he takes a lot of penalties and you want him on your penalty kill and yeah. Vancouver's penalty kill isn't great. And the other funky part of it is that like he's a left-handed shot and he's someone who can play the right technically, but generally doesn't. So Carson Susie's a lefty. This comes in as an injury replacement, but when he's healthy, you have a lot of left-handed players. So as a coaching staff, you have to be, feel super confident that you know you're okay shifting guys to the right. And some coaches are super willing to do that and don't care about handedness and others do. So we'll st- they must know talk it's willing to, right? Otherwise, why yeah. would you make the deal? But if I'm the Flames, I don't get the cost. You know, like other teams might have been in the mix like Toronto and we knew that, but they would have needed salary retention here, which, you know, would have raised the cost for Calgary and maybe didn't make sense for Toronto when there's other options available like a Sean Walker. Mm -hmm. But I just look at it and go, why, why not get a better return now? If you're the Flames, there's no rush to do it unless you really want to change the vibe of the locker room and you don't want players who don't want to be there. But it felt like they rushed it when they could have tried to get a little bit more back for him, like. That could have been the deadline price and someone got him for a third of the season versus three quarters of the season for such a low price. Yeah. And plus the Calgary Flames were not in a very invaluable position because the Dorov wanted out. So maybe they just decided to make the deal now. But Craig Conroy, the GM of the Flames, says, well, we got cap flexibility now and we can call up some younger players. That's basically their victory. (laughs) I mean, it's not a big victory when you trade a big player that was most likely going to be in higher demand later in the season and you make the deal right now. But it is what it is. That's why we get to play, uh, you know, the game on the radio sometime and on TV and uh, and not in the boardroom. Um, This, that, or the other thing, which was the most likely hat trick to happen last night? Mitch Marner, (laughs) who struggled to score goals and had to wear the big bubble visor on, which we know is an adjustment. Tom Wilson or Connor Dewar with the Minnesota Wild. This, that, or the other thing, which is the most likely hat trick? Mitch Marner's has to be this. And you know why he scored it? It's in spite of me specifically. He wanted to ruin my night. I was working on, you know, my monthly vibe check and I ended up writing it later in the day than I intended. And I had just finished Marner's section about how he slowed down in the month of November. And if you look at it, uh, he had his best game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was like November 6th or 8th. And after that, his play has really dropped off. Like his average game score is negative. It's one of the worst on the team in, in that span of games. And if you go further, the difference of his game score is really that he's not getting the points in November versus October when his play below the surface was actually a little bit suspect too. And he's just not driving play after it was like game five. And I finished the section and he scored his first goal. So I'm like, I'm not changing the section. Like this is here. It's staying. I don't care if he scores a goal. (laughs) So he scores two more plus the game winner in the shootout has one of his best games of the season. So I don't know. Thank, thank you, Mitch. I, I'd like to take credit for inspiring him. Well, I think that uh, Mitch would be in the know, being active on social media and all. He probably saw the post and was like, I'm going to uh, let everyone know that I can still do it. Now, you talk about social media, a pretty good picture in the locker room after the game where he's got that you know boxing belt or wrestling belt, but he still has the helmet and the bubble on. Like, he's just... So he's going to keep wearing that thing forever now because it worked. Um, you know, hat tricks last night, 
but there was also a goalie goal in the NHL. Only the fourth one, well, I say only the fourth one, in the last 10 <laughs> years. We saw Linus Olmark do it last year. Pecorine did it in 2020, and Mike Smith all the way back in 2013. So that's four in the last 10 years. Um, were you surprised when you saw Tristan Jari trying to score or at least shoot it all the way down the ice to uh, try to get a goal in the empty net? I'm a little surprised anytime a goalie attempts it. But then again, it feels like the Penguins this year. That's kind of their vibe. They had Nadalkovich yeah. doing it at the AHL level. And it's not like it's something you see every day. But the numbers do tell you in that situation, like, do you go try to just clear the puck or do you try to just aim for the empty net? And the numbers tell you aim for the empty net. It's the gutsier play. Yes, there's risk to it, especially if you have like a giveaway right on the spot. But if you want to try to just clear down the ice, go off. And the fact that goalies are being so bold I'm here for it. I love it. I love the chaos. Like, did you ever in your mind think I'm going to score a goal as a goalie? Like, did you ever attempt it? So I tried it in juniors, but our sticks were so different. We could barely get it to center ice, right? If we got it to the neutral zone in the air, we're like, yes, I cleared our <laughs> own zone. Now the goalies with their sticks, they can shoot it. Like he shot it 17 feet in the air and 155 feet down the ice. He got it all the way down to the ash marks in the Tampa zone, like that's how far he got it. And you think of Marty Brodeur scoring a goal. He barely gets it to center ice. Ron Ekstall scoring a goal. He barely gets it to center ice. So totally different. Um, Jari had already scored a goal in Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the AHL a few years back. So he's good at playing the puck. He knows how to do it. But what I noticed yesterday when he shot the puck is he did a little bit of a Sidney Crosby, the one leg down. The one like, leg down, The yeah. one leg down. He gave it everything he had to go with the one leg down, which was very typical of a Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> player scoring a goal, right? He knew it. It looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. He was like inspired by Crosby, exactly what I thought when he went. Like, this was not, I'm just going to try to clear it. Like, he knew he was going for that goal. Like, I wonder how much goalies try for that. I, we see like Igor Shostarkin in practice trying for the empty net, you know, and practicing shooting it down the yeah. ice. Now it's part of the all-star game. But I wonder like how, how much he does practice that, how much he watches the shooters and goes like, I'm going to emulate that for my own attempts. He said he actually looked at maybe just getting in the neutral zone off the glass, but then he saw the middle of the ice open. I blame the dumb pins. And I remember Reggie Lumlin was a goalie with the Boston Bruins when Ron Stahl scored his first goal. And he was like, our team was so dumb. They tried to dump it in on the goalie. Ekstall put it down, shot it out of the zone. And then we did it again. We dumped it on the goalie. He put it down and scored a goal. Like if you know the other team's goalie can handle the puck that well, why are you shooting it anywhere near the goalie? <laughs> He's going to turn around and fire it right over your head. And it's going to be down in maybe in your zone, maybe an icing or maybe a goal. Like I just, I blame the dump pins. And that, that to me will always be what I'm going to go about. Um, these two players here, Jack Hughes, Luke Hughes, well, Quinn Hughes as well. They don't dump, dump the puck in often. They like to have the puck. They like to make plays. How cool was it to see Jack passing it to Luke in overtime for Luke Hughes to score the goal. And the celebration by Luke Hughes, he kind of did a, uh, a theater salute, right? He put his one arm in front of him and bowed to the crowd. Like, how cool was that from the Devils to, uh, to have Jack and Luke connect on overtime? It's so cool. And, you know, like, you never know how it's going to go when siblings play on the same team. Like, are you going to have the next Henrik and Daniel Sedin? Like, not everybody can necessarily pull that off. Like, Eric Stahl and Mark Stahl couldn't together. Yeah. Um, but then you see these two 
you know, there's clearly chemistry there in their minutes together. Then you see them on the power play together and how much they thrive. And, you know, the same is true at even strength. So to see him in overtime, be that pairing, it's as ideal as you can be. And the fact that like you're the devils, you have multiple defensemen you can throw out there. You can go Dougie Hamilton and it's a slam dunk, or you can go Luke Hughes definitely helps. But to have those two on the ice at the same time, it just adds something even more special to the skill that they already bring. And for this game specifically, like I didn't think Luke Hughes was going to return. The fact that he did and made such an impact, like that's such a moment for the two of them. Yeah, he got hammered from behind by Garnet Hathaway. Uh, and Luke Hughes in the postgame says, oh, I got to be better in protecting myself. I'm like, dude, like, even if you protected yourself, this guy <laughs> crushed you from behind, like almost head first into the board. That was a dangerous play. It actually was a five minute and a game misconduct, a match penalty um, that, uh, you know, Hathaway had to leave. Um, Minnesota Wild. They're now 2 0 under John Hines. They won 6 1 against the Nashville Predators. Nashville is going to be in Buffalo Sunday. Uh, UC Soros got pulled. But then Pat Maroon says after the game, oh, things are so much different now with John Hines as a coach. Like, we feel like it's, you know, we play better or whatnot. I don't have the quote exactly, but how how can a coach really affect and change the mood that much in two games? I wouldn't think so. I mean, maybe the players feel it differently because they're like, oh, we got our coach fired. Now we need to pick it up. Like, is that the vibe? I don't know. It's not the coach I would have picked if I were management. No. I mean, it fits with their patterns, the wild who love what they know and only what they know. And if Bill Guerin likes something, he's just going to throw money at it and keep it around long term. Like that's his vibe. And this is someone he's worked with before. But it, it's it's so wild when a team would literally wild when a team would make such a statement so quickly on, you know, oh, yeah, everything. Everything's great. We're all different now. Like it's been a minute. You've had one full practice, but like, OK, sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. your coach basically got fired because your goaltender has had one of the worst year-to-year -year swings of any goalies in the league and your mm -hmm. penalty kill fell apart. I mean, should that be the conversation? Or like, or, I don't know if players like, we don't want to put it on the goaltender. We need to be better as a whole. That's good a good attitude to have. But to think uh, the vibes of a coaching change can impact you that quickly. Who knew? More teams should be trying them out all the time, I guess. Yeah. Pat Maroon's exact quote was, we're a complete different team right now. Um, I don't know if it's just compete level, if it's just like you went to bed early because you feel like you're <laughs> responsible. So instead of being, uh, you know, staying up late and watching TV, you went to bed early. I don't know, but I'm surprised by the wild. I didn't think they were a bad team. They just were getting terrible goaltending, as you pointed out. So maybe they can salvage and, and you know, make a, a difference, maybe a push. They're still six points back of a wild card spot in the Western Conference. So still a long way to go. Uh, a team that is in a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference is the Washington Capitals. They went into L.A., and beat the LA Kings. And then on back-to-back -back nights, they beat the uh, Anaheim Ducks, who are down in a very bad uh, situation right now. I think lost seven in a row. Um, are the Capitals for real? Should we now worry about the Capitals being a playoff contender? I'm not worried yet. Like, I feel like the Metropolitan Division has been kind of weird this season so far. Like, we're seeing yeah. underperformances from the Devils, and a lot of that has to do with, like, bad shooting and goaltending. The Islanders are inconsistent. Um Everybody outside the Rangers kind of has had a lot of bumps to deal with. Like the Penguins have had their issues. Their power play is a total wreck. So I think Washington's being opt opportunistic right now, as are the Flyers, which is great, wonderful. I think the goaltending has been really good. Like Charlie Lindgren has seriously stepped up yeah. when Kemper was out and he's 
forcing the team to keep playing him in like a more even rotation than I think we would have anticipated. But I mean, it's nice for them that this is more than just chasing milestones for Ovechkin right now and that there's a little bit more going on. I just can't see it lasting considering the fact that their core is kind of old. So I think that their play is going to decline as the year goes on. And two, I'm still underwhelmed by this roster as a whole. You know, I think that they went bright and interesting with their coaching pick, but everything else is kind of lackluster. Maybe the fact that like Nick Backstrom stepped back because, you know, the foot speed just wasn't there is helping them in a way, which is sad, but like the truth. But I, I don't see the Capitals being a playoff team down the stretch unless it's second wildcard spot. Okay, well, if they get the type of goaltending that they've been getting with Charlie Lindgren, maybe they can steal a few more games and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they get energized and they're a completely different team because of that. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe that's the quote of the year and everybody should use it. Um, I didn't ask you about the Sabres because we talked about it a lot in the first segment, but I kind of feel like I got to touch on it just a little bit. They lose 6-4 to St. Louis. They controlled the expected goals, the shot attempts, the shots, the high danger chances. Um, was it just one of those cases where you you miss some glorious opportunities and the numbers should you know reward you at some point? And it's one of those games where you lose St. Louis, but play the same thing, same game against Carolina, and you're gonna win. Yeah, like I liked how they played against the Rangers. I thought that they were much better than I expected them to be. Um, and we saw it really a five on five and we saw the top two lines pick up the pace the way that you want to see them do. The Blues are a weird team. I feel like it's it's really challenging. They're so hit or miss. I feel like they're either crushing it or they're falling apart. There's yeah. no in between. Like they're not as good defensively and the goaltending was really good in handling that. And then they weren't. Now they are again. Like it's just all over the place. If the Blues don't get power plays, maybe you have a shot. And, you know, I have a first line that's clicking now with Jake Neighbors playing with Buchnevich and Robert Thomas. But I'm so underwhelmed by them as a whole. So I think you you can't just use the one game and think that you have to change everything. It's just kind of keep with it and see what happens. Like, see if Lukanen, you know, bounces back from this. He's had such a good start to the year so far that he's earned a starting role. Like, make sure that this he can shake off this loss. And I think they'll be fine. I just, I have a hard time, like, measuring any team against the Blues. Like, we see them kill teams like Tampa and yep. Colorado out Colorado. of nowhere and then get crushed by the Sharks. Like, there's no in-between with them. So I I don't think it's this is the game you could use to say, okay, we have to turn everything around. Like, just kind of keep it up and see what happens against a team like the Canes that you know they have such uh, an identity and such a system that you should know how to match up against them or have a, have an idea because it's not like they're totally different from years past. Well, Shana, as always, uh, great insight and uh, love going around the NHL and all the crazy, goofy things that happened last night. And they can continue to happen. A busy weekend here in Buffalo with the Sabres playing Carolina tomorrow night and then hosting the Nashville Predators on Sunday. As always, we love having you on Friday. Thank you and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Shana Goldman from The Athletic was uh, just, again, a superstar on our show. And we'll take a short break here on Sabres Live. We'll be right back to wrap it up here on this rainy Friday in Western New York. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back to Sabres Live here on Friday morning, December 1st. We're already to December, people. And uh, man, it feels like 2023 has gone by so fast. Uh, But because it is December, it is holiday season. And uh, get in the giving spirit this season with Holiday Angels. The Sabres have partnered with Child and Family Services to give fans the opportunity to adopt a family and donate gifts to make their holidays a happy one. Visit sabers.com slash holiday angels to learn how you can participate. It is a fantastic opportunity to get together as a family and help out some that have had maybe a tough year or a tough couple of years, and you can definitely bless their holiday season and put a smile on their faces. And, uh, you know, the Sabres and... Uh, we do so much with uh, even the Buffalo police, and now we're branching out even more in the suburbs and helping out some of their communities. So I know I'm going to go out in the, I think it's December 9th, but we're going to go do some shopping with some of the alumni to be able to uh, to get going and, and get the Holiday Angels um, really started this year because it's so important. We know Western New York Buffalo is a very giving uh, community, and we got to keep that going. Um, a little uh, Rochester Americans uh, preview, maybe for tonight. They are in Belleville. No word yet as if uh, Devin Levi will be the starting netminder, but uh, you could probably uh, keep uh, all updates on uh, social media through the uh, Amherst uh, Twitter account, Instagram, or you can go on AHL.com and maybe even catch the game on AHL TV uh, if Devin Levi will make his season debut with the Rochester Americans, or if it's going to be later this weekend. So the Amherst are in Belleville tonight. Seven o'clock is the matchup, and it will be live on radio as well in Rochester on the Fan Rochester and on AHL TV. Uh, a little this or that here this morning. The New York Rangers unveiled their third jerseys that will be used 10 times this year. We will tweet a uh, picture of the jerseys. It starts with Igor Shosturkin, Mika Zibanejad, Keandre Miller are on the picture. It's a basically a blue uniform with a big New York Rangers logo in the middle. Now, it's not the Lady Liberty logo. It is not just saying Rangers or New York across the chest. It's that New York Rangers logo. Very remembering of the Phil Esposito days with the New York Rangers when they wore that blue jersey with the logo in front. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. I think the logo's too big. I don't think there's enough uh, color to the jersey. And I don't think the blue is right. It's kind of more of a navy. Um, and I've always liked the blue shirts to be more that New York Rangers blue. So um, go on our uh, Twitter account at Sabres Live and uh, check it out and let us know if you like the Rangers third jerseys. They will use those jerseys when the Sabres visit the Rangers on December 33rd, the last game before the Christmas break. So you'll be able to see them live when we carry that game. Actually, Duffer and I will be on the road for that game. So we'll have a trip to New York. We'll be able to see them in person, but you'll be able to catch them on MSG when the Rangers play the Sabres on December 23rd and wear the third jerseys. Um, Also, as we do often, we like to uh, wish happy birthdays as we close out the show. Bet Midler is 78 today. 
A lot of people will remember Bette Midler, the younger generation, maybe for Ocus Pocus. And my kids love that movie, those movies, because there's more than one. And uh, yeah, but for a maybe more uh, mature generation, they will remember the movie Beaches, which is uh, cutting onions. And you cry every time you watch that movie. What a uh, fantastic career Bette Midler has had. And she is 78 today. So we'd like to wish her a very happy birthday. There is just two games in the NHL tonight, and those games are, I'm just pulling my sheet right now because I was actually moving ahead. They're the Ottawa Senators visiting the Columbus Blue Jackets and the San Jose Sharks visiting the New Jersey Devils. So obviously, the Ottawa Senators have a lot of games in hand. They're trying to catch up in the Eastern Conference. They're trying to get to where the Sabres are and even uh, more. There's always speculations with coaching changes in, in Ottawa with DJ Smith being on the hot seat right now. This game against the Columbus Blue Jackets may be a uh, turning point of the Ottawa Senators season or maybe it's going the other direction and some front office changes and coaching changes may happen and the Devils are hosting the, the Sharks, the Devils, who are just a couple of games over 500, kind of underperformed this year, uh, but welcoming the Sharks who have been having a lot of trouble on the road this season. So um, maybe the Devils get themselves going. They had an OT win last night against Philadelphia, hosting the San Jose Sharks today. Uh, it's been a great week here on Sabres Live. Two games this weekend, 7 p.m. at Carolina tomorrow, 7 p.m. at home against Nashville. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.